I come to the conclusion that, at least in my tribe, one of the greatest sins that we have to deal with is disobedience to the Great Commission. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Organic Outreach International Practitioners Podcast. I'm Walt Bennett. I'm the president and CEO of Organic Outreach International. And today I have the pleasure of uh, having a conversation with Dr. Jim Kramer. Uh, Jim, I met a few years ago at an Amplify conference uh, out at Wheaton College uh, that was put on by the Billy Graham Center for Evangelism. I uh, had a great conversation there that just blossomed into a, a wonderful relationship between the Nazarene churches and, and organic outreach. Uh, Jim was most recently the district superintendent of one of the larger districts in uh, the state of Illinois, and uh, within the past few months, transitioned out of that role and is actually uh, back pastoring a church in North Dakota uh, right now. And so, uh, Jim, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to, uh, good to be here. So, Jim, tell us uh, just a little bit about your, your personal path of ministry. What, what drew you to this calling? And, and give us a highlight reel of the journey up to this point. Uh, well, when I was a young man, I was a farmer and uh, came to faith in Christ uh, not long after Leslie and I were married. And uh, out working in the fields, began to experience a call to ministry. Uh, couldn't uh, shake it. Finally decided I better figure out what it all means and uh, had a consultation with my pastor and was able to nail down that God was giving me a new calling in my life. And since then, that's what we've been running after. Yeah, that's great. It's, uh, you know, it's so amazing when you, you get that call. And, and for so many people that I talk with, it, it's completely out of the blue, nothing that you had on your radar. Right. Uh, but there's a moment in time that, that he just makes it clear that everything he's done preparing you up to this point has been for exactly this. Uh, so I appreciate that. So uh, now I mentioned at the beginning you've, you've been engaged with us with Organic Outreach. How long have you been uh, engaged with Organic Outreach and ministry? Well, when I first uh, met you, Walt, and Kevin and Sherry, was 2016 at that uh, Amplify conference. And okay. that November, uh, we went to the intensive in Monterey and kind of escalated from there, realizing that it was something that we needed. Uh, how, how I ended up at the Amplify Conference was our director of evangelism in the Church of the Nazarene asked me if I would go specifically to check out organic outreach. Uh, reason being, there was a cry in our tribe that our pastors were desperate for something to help them to uh, reach people, to change the culture of what was taking place in many of their churches. That's how I ended up there. It was a good, good move. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Uh, so our, our listeners are interested in how they can build outreach cultures in their homes, in their churches. Uh, I'm wondering, what are some of the key issues that you see at the intersection of culture and evangelism? Uh, I think the, the greatest thing that I was seeing uh, as we think of evangelism in our culture, in, in our church culture, we were planting a lot of churches, doing well with church plants, and a lot of pastors from existing churches were, were saying, what about us? And uh, began to realize that uh, the, the church culture that we had developed was so inward focused in many places that the idea of reaching new people was, was not on the radar screen. In fact, I come to the conclusion that, at least in my tribe, one of the greatest sins that we have to deal with is disobedience to the Great Commission. 
And we're trying to respond to that. And I, I think what I was sensing from pastors, but also key leaders in churches that were finding themselves in decline, that they were becoming more desperate, that we need to figure this out. What needs to change? What needs to happen? Well, uh, get back with uh, passion and heartbeat for reaching lost and broken people, and we'll be able to, to make that turn, hopefully. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Uh, so in the process uh, of, of engaging with organic outreach at the district level from a denominational leadership standpoint uh, in the district that you led in Illinois, what were some of the key lessons that, that you learned as, as you kind of started rolling the, the concept out to churches, out to your, your district staff? Uh, again, uh, I, I think the desperation that I was seeing from some of our pastors uh, kind of drove us to figure out what in the world do we have to do to see some turnaround in some churches. The challenge that uh, I faced as a district superintendent is the culture was so deep. Uh, the ingrown, keep us happy, uh, the the fact that they weren't reaching new people. In fact, uh, they didn't have a passion many times for lost and broken people. So the challenge was changing the culture. And in order to do that, we had to have the conversation uh, in dealing with current reality. What is the current reality of this local church? What is the future of this local church? And what are we going to do if we're going to change that current reality? It was challenging because we found resistance in some places. In some places, we found a positive desperation. We want to do something. Yeah, so in, in the pockets where you found resistance, where you had conversations with pastors who were just given pushback, you know, what, what was their foundation for their, their side of it? I mean, what, what was their reasoning for pushing back? Uh, they uh, didn't like change. <laughs> this is the way it worked, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Uh, let's just have another concert or do some big event and we'll we'll reach people. Uh, things that worked years ago uh, that don't work now were still on their minds and hearts. And, and again, having to deal with that current reality, how do you make this change? Uh, what I discovered, Walt, was when you get to the heart of people who are really serving God, they do want to see people come to faith in Christ. And if we can be honest with them about our current reality and why this has happened to us and what is really taking place in the kingdom of God right now, uh, people then would slowly begin to respond and listen because many of them were desperate. And if you can let them know that uh, in this amount of time, you're not going to exist anymore unless yeah. we deal with this now, uh, all of a sudden you had a listening ear. And if you could stay biblical, biblical, uh, stay passionate, uh, that we are serving God, we're not compromising, slowly we would see churches turn the corner and, and help change that culture. But it's slow, man, it's slow. <laughs> yeah, so, so as we mentioned, you've been at this, uh, you were at this in the district for uh, almost three years and uh, before you shifted out and, and took your pastor up in North Dakota. Um, so Talk a little bit about the evolution that you saw, kind of the time frame. You know, how long was it uh, as you were pressing in on this and, and getting churches involved before you started to see some kind of change here and there? And what did that look like? Yeah, I think uh, I think what was uh, helpful for me, uh, our district was pretty ingrown, really wonderful people, 
and some of them were starting to get desperate, uh, bringing up the same question that I was dealing with when I met you the first time at the Amplify concert uh, conference, where what about us? Because we were planting churches, and we were discovering that planting churches, uh, when you plant a new church, you have to reach new people, or you're not going to have people. And what we were discovering is people are still hungry for the gospel. Uh, They still want hope. We still have the message. And it's an advantage when a district is planting churches that the existing churches get to see. So they become desperate and they become hungry. I think the other thing that was important in my life is when when I came to Christ as a farmer, Jesus Christ changed everything for me. Nothing was ever the same again. And I think it gave me a passion for lost and broken people that I've never gotten over. So there was a passion in my heart to help my churches. I had about 87 churches I was responsible for. Uh, I didn't want to close any one of them. So we began this process of changing this current reality, changing the culture. And uh, what, what we did is we had you guys come and did that intensive. Uh, Well, I had you come first and speak at one of our training days. And uh, I think what happened that day, Walt, if you remember uh, back in Salem, Illinois, uh, we brought you in and that began to capture the hearts of people, even in the old existing church, long-term Christians that uh, knew something needed to change. They weren't sure, but uh, we began to capture their hearts by letting them know what organic outreach is. Uh, you know, what it means to reach into the lives of lost and broken people, how how prayer is so important. You know, that caught some of their intent, uh, some of their attention, because I think some people thought we were going to compromise to have some quick fix. Well, no, it's yeah. not a quick fix. Uh, one of the things I appreciated about you and, and Kevin and, uh, and Sherry was God, God better be in this or why do it? And yeah. so the whole thing of prayer and then beginning to build relationships with lost and broken people, that our churches need to be engaged in the community and, and find ways to reach into the lives of lost and broken people. So that sort of began a cultural change uh, on, on that district. And then, of course, we had the, the intensive, and then we began some cohorts that really began to put things into practice that we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I distinctly remember that one day training and, and uh, out of that, we had uh, a handful of, of pastors that had attended um, enter into a cohort. Um, and we actually finished up the, the two year course of that cohort meeting uh, about four months ago, three months ago. Um, but, but they were so engaged in it. Um, you know, Pastor Wayne Clevenger said, Hey, wait a minute. We, we, we need to keep this going. So he's actually, we, we had certified him as a leader, as a cohort leader. And actually, they're continuing to meet um, even now, and uh, uh, they got that much out of it. Uh, you know, I distinctly remember uh, at, at that one day in, in Salem, oftentimes when I, I come in and, and do a training like that in the evening, I'll just go find some place in town and try to get to know the town a little bit and sit down for dinner. And, and that evening, uh, I sat down for dinner in this uh, little diner, and, uh, and the, the woman who was waiting on me uh, was uh, she looked about nine and a half, ten months pregnant? I mean, she was just, just huge, and and just looked like she was carrying this huge burden around. And I, uh, as I was ordering my dinner, I just asked her, you know, is, is there anything that I can can pray for you about? Um, and and she sat down across from me, 
<laughs> gave a heavy sigh and just started to, to unpack some of the challenges she was facing, the, uh, you know, on her feet all day, uh, I've got to be a single mom, uh, father nowhere in the picture, and, and was just, she was just waiting for somebody to ask her what's going on, and, and I prayed for her right there, it, 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 and uh, just watching her countenance as I prayed, seeing that weight lift. Um, you know, that's that personal aspect of carrying evangelism with us everywhere we go, not, not in feeling like we have to jump on people with the gospel, but just looking into people's lives and caring about them. Um, and, and that's, as you point, pointed out, you know, prayer, not only praying for people, praying for what God's going to do in our church, but praying with people is so compelling. And I know, you know, as, as we've walked alongside one another uh, over the, the past couple of years, because you've been in, you were in that Illinois district cohort, but you've also been in the district superintendent's cohort. I know you, your personal life has been transformed by this. I, I've heard the stories. Tell me some stories about, uh, about some of the relationships that you've been just doubling down on and engaging in. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioning the praying for people, for example, uh, in my local church here, we just finished the chapter on praying for people and then praying with people. And I think when I was dealing with pastors in Illinois, but also now, uh, that was one of the, the parts of organic outreach that really caught. When people would think about looking for the open door to pray for people or with people, uh, God would continue to open those doors. And that's a lot of the stories that we would hear where pastors would, would be able to, uh, to get more bold, uh, and step into that open door that God has for them. Well, for me now, uh, since I'm a local church pastor, that's been a huge part of my life at restaurants, at the health club I go to, uh, where I'm constantly looking for that open door. And I've, I've written down some names of different people that God has opened the door for. And my most recent things, if that's what you're asking for, uh, are are two open doors of two men that uh, that God just continued to to build that relationship to help me build a relationship with them to the point where one of them came to faith in Christ this last week. Uh, that's great. And that that's pretty energizing. But but when I go back to the the district, what was happening on my district? Uh, can I talk a little bit about the cohorts and how that that impacted uh, the pastors that I worked with. Absolutely. Uh, I, I had a passion to help pastors be winners. Uh, I was a district superintendent for 21 years and always realized that, uh, you know, people didn't come to faith in Christ at the district office. They came to faith in Christ in the local church, uh, in the community through pastors. And there were several in my cohort that when they signed up, for the cohort, I thought, oh man, <laughs> you know, they got some of the most difficult assignments. Their church really isn't going to go for this. And, uh, you know, Corey is an example and, and, uh, he's one of, he's one of the best examples. I think that the church was so resistant and to watch him walk through those wins that took months. If you remember when oh, yeah. finally he got to the place where, his church board was understanding this cultural change, this cultural shift. Uh, him and Brian, uh, Wayne also, but him and Brian are the ones that really stick out in my mind that uh, when when the culture began to change in their churches, it was almost like there was no stopping them. 
And to me, as far as something that was really rewarding in my ministry was seeing those pastors begin to have wins that were eternal, that were so significant because lives were finally being transformed in their church. But even bigger than that for a district superintendent, the church was finally starting to get it. It was, it, yeah. it was starting to make sense to them. And unless they get it, unless they begin to understand it, eventually their church is going to die. So, you know, those kind of things have made a huge impact and energized me uh, as, as now a pastor. But when I was a district superintendent, to see those pastors see cultural change, uh, shifts in their church, and then finally begin reaching people for Christ, to watch the joy in their lives, uh, the fulfillment in their ministry was huge for me. Yeah, and I remember those conversations with Corey um, as as we went through the cohort process together, and and the discouragement that he had at the beginning, and just thinking it was it was you know he's tilting at windmills, and and no progress was going to be made, and and it, and it has been a transformation. In fact, he's uh, he's going to be uh, my guest on one of our future episodes, uh, specifically to talk about that that work with the board of taking a board, uh, you know, board of elders, it's, it's kind of completely set in their ways. Don't change anything on me. Don't move my cheese uh, to, to bringing them along and helping them to actually get to the point where they're embracing the change and they're embracing what it's doing in their own personal lives but what it's doing with the church. It's an amazing story. So I'll look forward to that conversation with Corey. Now, another thing that you, you actually kind of pioneered, and, and uh, we're sharing this with other denominational leaders that we're working with, the, this whole concept. You actually formed an outreach influence team at the district level, right? Yeah. So how, how did that work out? I know, you're, you, know <laughs> you didn't have it going very long before, uh, before you transitioned out, but you got the momentum going. So, so talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, the, the, the challenging part of, of the district is, again, we're not in the local setting where we would deal more with training and encouraging, uh, equipping, that kind of thing. And uh, my outreach team leader uh, happened to be a layperson from one of our large churches. Uh, we, worked, we worked together. Uh, again, it didn't get developed to the place where I really wanted it to be before I changed roles. But uh, the, the whole emphasis, uh, the, whole, the whole thought became how, how do we make everything we do have an evangelism component, uh, just like we learn in uh, organic outreach, you yeah. know, the, the two-degree rule, how do we shift things? And we began working on every, pretty much everything we did, even our district assembly, on how can there be that, that component that uh, points us to reaching into the lives of lost and broken people rather than just feeding ourselves all the time. So our meetings began to take a little of a, quite a bit of a shift uh, where that was intentional. Uh, but then the accountability became fun because there were several of us that every time we'd get on the phone or see each other, and sometimes even in the big events, we'd be asking about our outreach temperature. And uh, it, it began to help change that culture where everybody was very conscious Whenever they were in a meeting with us, they were very conscious that organic outreach was going to be uh, a part of what we were doing somehow to remind our whole district that we're here to reach lost and broken people. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that's one thing that, that always struck me about your heart from the beginning was, you know, we, we always, when we're teaching, we're, we're over and over hitting the point that you cannot lead what you do not live. 
And you got that right out of the gate. I mean, you, you started doing that in your personal life, uh, really reaching out to neighbors and everything else, but then you took it to that next level uh, and, and said, you know, as a denominational leader, I can't lead the pastors if I'm not living this at the denominational level. I think that's a phenomenal um, example for them and, and for others to follow as well. Uh, so thank you for helping to enrich uh, what we do through some of your own innovation. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, so in your new role now, pastor, uh, again, at a church, a local church, uh, you haven't been there that long. Have you identified an outreach influence team leader? Well, I've, I've identified the person that I, I want to talk to about that position. I have not talked to her yet. Uh, so so in, in thinking about who that would be, what kind of things did you take into account as you were kind of evaluating the folks you had available and who was in ministry and, um, and the staff that you have? What, what kind of thought process did you go through to, to identify who had the right characteristics? Well, I was looking for the person that uh, would, would capture a passion for what we're trying to accomplish. When I came to this church, uh, the church had been in decline. It was, oh, they were running in the 80s, you know, had opportunities to go to some great, nice, big places. But the Holy Spirit just uh, put on my heart that this is the place he wanted me. I, I never intended on coming back to North Dakota, even though I love North Dakota. And here I am getting ready for another winter. But I say all that to say that this church uh, had a healthy desperation because at one time they were a larger, strong, huge influence in the community. Uh, they had become pretty ingrown, not intentionally. They're wonderful people. The kids moved away or graduated, and some people left. Uh, people died. The church has been in decline for a number of years, and there, there was a healthy desperation. And I'm leading up to answer your question here because uh, I, I let them know when we had an interview that if I come, the priority is going to be lost and broken people in this community not me taking care of you. I will love you. I even reminded them that uh, when I was their district superintendent, because I had been superintendent here years before, I didn't yeah. like nonsense then. And I'm worse now. I just wanted them to know that, you know, let's build the kingdom. And they laughed uh, kind of hesitantly. But uh, <laughs> so right away, uh, I gave my leadership team the organic outreach books. And I said, I want you to read them. And I want to I know what you feel, what you think. And fortunately, again, there was a healthy desperation that was taking place in my team, my leadership team. And uh, I began teaching, we're about halfway through organic outreach for ordinary people. And I, 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 to answer your question, I've been watching how it is catching these people's hearts. Yeah. And it's interesting because now we're talking our outreach temperature, we meet every Wednesday evening. Uh, and I, I watched for the person that kind of rose, rose to the top and her discussion that happened to be a lady, her response, her passion. Uh, she's a, a very prominent realtor in the community. Uh, young middle-aged is where I put her age wise. And she has a real passion to see this church be everything that God wants it to be. So I actually planned on talking to her last night at our at our training. She was not able to be there, uh, but I'm going to try to catch her today or tomorrow and talk to her about uh, becoming the team, the outreach team leader. Uh, she is, she has shared with me that she really believes that God is up to something very, very unique right now. And I know it's all because of the training that she's been getting in organic outreach. 
uh, a whole new passion for reaching the lost and she knows everybody in the community so it's going to be interesting uh, i'm hoping she'll take the role <laughs> i think that's she great will. yeah that's great and and you know one of the things that we really are are emphasizing particularly now in our training it with with uh, pastors that are looking to initiate organic outreach in their churches don't rush to find that OIT. We, we right. want you to get an, uh, an outreach influence team leader, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the desire is that it not be the lead pastor, but for a time, it might need to be because it's so important to get the right person in that role. Right. Um, yes. It just makes all the difference in the world. And, and once you put someone in that role, it, it's really challenging to come yes. back and say, oh, Sorry, uh, it looks like it's not quite a fit. So, you know, our encouragement is is take the time. Don't don't wait forever, but be intentional and and really careful about who you place in that role. Right. Um, and we'll have more episodes that we talk more specifically about that in the future. Um, but as we uh, as we wrap up this episode, um, I just have to ask Jim, what's your personal outreach temperature? Uh, today, uh, I'm at an eight. Uh, normally, uh, a good, healthy number for me is usually six, six and a half. Uh, but today, I'm at an eight, and here's the reason. Can I give you the reason? You uh, that? absolutely. Yeah, the several people that I've been working with and building relationships with since I've been here. Um, I've been here since August, full time, and one particular guy uh, in that the Lord just opened a door for me to begin to minister to him and his family. He still has never come to this church. Uh, his family has, uh, but uh, I had an open door where I got to get reacquainted with somebody that I knew years ago, way back when I was a farmer. Uh, we, we, were, we were farming only 45 miles from here, so I'm not too far away from where, where we used to live. But anyway, I began praying for him, and oh man, it just almost seemed impossible that uh, I was getting any any headway. Uh, but just more recent, I've seen the doors come open, and some of it was some health issues, even that he is going through. And uh, he's one I made reference to a few moments ago that this week I got to pray with him, and he he put his life in God's hands, hmm. uh, and he acknowledged that. And it was it was really cool because even two months ago, it seemed like we were a long way from that. And then the other thing that happened, uh, uh, one of our prodigals from this church, I've been praying and looking for an open door, and I was able to go into his office. He's a businessman in the community, a young businessman, and the, the Holy Spirit just opened a door and allowed me to have a conversation with him. Uh, and he talked about coming back to church, but uh, more important than that, I felt the door was wide open that he was inviting me in to continue to have a, a relationship as a pastor in his life. So those are two, Walt, that because of my training in organic outreach, months ago, I put them on a prayer list. Yeah. And I simply began praying for them. And at that point, both of them were far from having this kind of relationship with me. Uh, and I've watched as God continued to open that door and uh, I have about four more on that list, so I can't wait to see what God's going to do next. And I can't wait to hear. <laughs> yeah. and, and the uh, other thing I just want to share that, you know, I love being a district superintendent, and I loved seeing a culture begin to change in a whole district, but uh, I am really convinced that God has allowed me to be in a local church again because he's going to trust me with lost and broken people. 
and I'm trying to create a culture in, in this church that God will be able to trust us again with lost and broken people. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, you know, implementing the whole thing into my youth program, uh, my, my Sunday school, the small groups, the worship, all of that, uh, where um, reaching into the lives of lost and broken people is going to become a priority for us. Uh, I'm really thankful that I know things now that I didn't didn't know even five, six years ago that are going to help us. Great. Well, Jim, thank you so much for taking time uh, with us today to kind of share with uh, with others who may be just embarking upon this journey or, or, or partially uh, through implementation. Uh, it's just an encouragement uh, to hear kind of the path that you followed and, and how you've been engaged with both at the denominational leadership level, but also in the local church level. Uh, and I know that people will benefit from uh, just hearing some of your uh, your take on it and your experiences with it. Uh, so thank you for that. And for the listeners, uh, thank you for joining us for this episode. If you have not registered on our website for our resources, I encourage you to do that. It's www.organicoutreach.org. And uh, hopefully you've subscribed to this podcast already. If not, you can do it there. And if you're not receiving our newsletter, uh, the email every month about our newsletter, uh, you can sign up for that on the website as well. I encourage you to do that. And if you're engaged in organic outreach in your church or in your denomination, and uh, and you've got uh, some experiences that you've had with that that you think would be useful for anyone else who's working on doing this in their church, uh, please contact us at info at organicoutreach.org. We'd love to get you on a future episode. Until the next time, thank you all for joining us. God bless.